So let's get into the word here tonight. We are looking at another song of Asap. We've been talking a bit about him in these last few psalms. We know that uh, between himself and his family, they wrote a dozen psalms. And uh, I look at this man and I marvel at him. He's not talked about a lot. I think that he should probably get a little more recognition when you really consider, uh, you know, 12 psalms. That's, that's, that's no small thing there, you know. That's bigger than uh, several epistles times two and so forth. But more so the fact that, listen, he was a man who was a worshiper of the Lord. And he was a man that... Um, you know, was one of the worship leaders in the time of David. But the thing that strikes me about him and so blesses me about him is that, listen, his family worshiped the Lord and helped lead worship with him. And I think that's a glorious thing. And I think that's uh, what the Lord would want for every family, for us to worship the Lord together. And, you know, I, I, I do believe that it's the aim of every believer to want to see their children raised in the way of the Lord. And boy, there's a lot of challenges in that, uh, in every generation. I feel like there's more even so today with all the things out there. But listen, where sin abounds, grace aboundeth more. So always remember that. And uh, so I think there's a lot we can learn from him. And what really strikes me about him, uh, well, several things, and we talked about this, how later on when the children of Israel will go into captivity, and the Babylonian captivity, when they came back, and this is several hundred years down the road, when the foundation of the temple was laid and they celebrated that, and it's that time where some were mourning because they remembered the glory of the past temple, and others were rejoicing in the foundation laid for the new temple. It says that the descendants of Asaph led the worship there. And I thought, man, that's a legacy right there. Not a legacy of buildings and, you know, plaques and awards, but a legacy of worship. And uh, I've been reading through uh, Kings and Chronicles in my uh, devotion. And I came to Hezekiah recently. And remember, he's told he's going to die. And he's like, I don't want to die. And so Isaiah comes and ministers to him. And, you know, I don't want to die. So he prays for him. And then he says... Uh, God's going to give you 15 more years. And he says, take these figs and put it on your boil. So I gave him a word of wisdom. And, you know, I, I have to wonder how many time, how many people over the course of the ages have put figs on boils. You know, I, I don't know how that specifically works. Sometimes God will heal from a word of wisdom and an act of faith. And the Lord healed him. And uh, then there's the whole sundial thing. Well, how will I know? And he sets the sundial back and so forth. Uh, but then after that, it says the Babylonians come in and he shows them, you know, all of his rewards. And so all, all of the things there. And he was really wanting the approval of the Babylonians. And it says he gave them all this attention. I'm, I'm bringing this around. I'm not rabbit trailing here. And, and uh, you know, he gives them all this attention. These are godless people, you know, the Babylonians. Why are you giving them attention? And why are you being stupid showing them all your secrets? These are the enemies. Of, of, of God and the nation of Israel. And the Lord says to him, you know, because you've done that, um, you're going to be going into captivity. Uh, but he says in Hezekiah, but because of, you know, uh, your faithfulness in these other days, it won't happen, you know, at, during your time, but it will happen during the time of your descendants. 
And I get so bummed out when I read it because Hezekiah says, oh, well, that's good. At least it's not going to happen in my day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, dude, you're killing me here. And I'm not, again, I, I probably got way more issues than Hezekiah ever had. Um, and then he has a son. His son is Manasseh, and he's the most wicked king in the history of, of, of Judah. I mean, it is just horrendous. And then Josiah comes and brings that little revival, and then there's the breakdown. But I, I just bring that up because I think of Asaph and I think of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's just like, I don't care. As long as things are good in my day. And you see Asaph there with his family, part of the worship. And then hundreds of years later, it's the descendants of Asaph worshiping. And I just look at that and I say, oh, Lord, grant me grace and mercy. Grant me grace and mercy to raise my kids in the way of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray that when, when we would come here that it, it, it wouldn't just be, oh, we're here again, but you get hold of their hearts. And I just can't encourage you enough. You know, if you got kids, if Lord willing, you have kids later on, grandkids, we need to be praying for them every single day, lifting up to the Lord. Um, listen, not giving up on them. They, they're going to go through rough patches. There's going to things that come along. Um, you know, you're going to time say, I've been the worst parent ever. And uh, you know, I mean, enemy throws stuff and kicks sand in your face. And uh, man, press on. Be encouraged tonight. And uh, maybe you got children that are wayward tonight or they're doing their own thing. Listen, pray for them. Keep lifting them up to the Lord. Uh, maybe little ones you're having difficulty with. What do I keep doing? Listen, take the word of God and apply that. Even if it hurts, apply the word of God. Apply it. You know, lift them up in prayer. And uh, again, Asaph, they were worshipers of God. Man, bring worship and the worship of God into your home where the Lord is the center of that household every single day. So again, Asaph, a little bit, little reminder of what we looked at him. And notice about this Psalm, Psalm 75 here. It's set to do not destroy. And so another Psalm or another song that they sung was called do not destroy. And so the instruction was to sing it to the same music as do not destroy. And this is a psalm about deliverance and triumph. So I kind of look at this as kind of like a, you know, like a, a remix type of thing that starts singing uh, do not destroy and they move right in here to Psalm 75. You know, they sing, they put these back to back because of the continuing theme of them crying out to God for deliverance and triumph over the enemies of God and the enemies of their soul. So again, it would be song to that music. And absolutely, listen, um, the last psalm that we looked at was a prayer, and this is a song, a, a prayer as well, but a song of deliverance and triumph that will come. And it's a psalm where the psalmist is, is you know, writing about the judgment of the Lord that will eventually come. And we need to know that as, you know, that triumph and deliverance, you know, came multiple times for Israel over the corridor of time and so forth. Um, we're delivered in Christ Jesus, and we're going to be delivered in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have victory in Christ Jesus, and we're going to have victory in Christ Jesus. And that's something we want to rest in every day. I got victory in Jesus I, I, I uh, have overcome in Jesus. I'm going to have victory. I'm having victory. I'm overcoming in Jesus. 
and I'm going to have victory, and I'm going to overcome in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord wants us to know who we are in him today, the victory we have today in the Lord. And I can't emphasize it enough, and I've just, it's been on my heart to emphasize this. In a day of peril that we're living in, in the unfolding of things that are going around us that are so, um, you know, in line of how the scriptures would say they would be in the last days. Um, it's easy for individuals, I think, to begin to get discouraged. I talk to folks, they're, they'll get discouraged when, listen, we want to be concerned and we want to be praying, but uh, you can't let, let these things take away your joy. And I hear people, I can't even watch the news anymore because I get just so upset. And it's like, you know what? Praise God that you're concerned. That's a good thing. God hasn't called us to bury our head in the sand, right? Um, he's called us to be a people that understand the times. Those that did in the scripture are always commended. But God doesn't want you to get frustrated. We know how it ends. We have victory in Christ. We're going to have victory in Christ. As I shared, I don't know if it was on Wednesday or Sunday, uh, about a month ago, um, and I, I don't usually use movie illustrations or things like that, but uh, I brought up that movie Hoosiers, if you've ever seen that. And the first time you're watching through, and you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty well done film, I think, so forth. I'm a, you know, you got freedom in Christ, watch it if you want, I don't care either way. But if you've seen it before, if you haven't, I'm going to spoil it for you, and I don't care. But... <laughs> You know, it's this little basketball team, and they're playing all these mega schools and the state championship and all the ups and downs and so forth. And boy, you're watching all how it's going to end and how it's going to end. And you see at the end, they win the state championship and so forth. You would be foolish to watch that a second time and go, I don't know if they're going to win or not. <laughs> and I've, I've watched it. It's one of those movies when it comes on, I like, I like start watching it again. It's just one of those ones. I don't know, I just... You know, there's something about the, the, the underdog overcoming. Listen, we know how it ends, amen? amen. We got victory, we're going to have victory. Why, why, look at, again, it's not a call to be lax. It's not a call to put a head in the sound. Our soul should be vexed like Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. We should rejoice on one hand, be grieved. We should be prayer warriors. But we know how it's going to end, we know how, we, we see it coming to the end. We know how it's going to end. Listen, we got victory in the Lord. And this psalm is a reminder that deliverance and triumph, it's coming. All in God's timing. So great words of encouragement here. So notice the first verse. It says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous, wondrous works. Declare that your name is near. Now again, it's set to do not destroy. And we see in the psalm that the psalm speaks of judgment on those that want to destroy the nation of Israel, the people of God. And so he starts off basically again with do not destroy, then coming back with we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks with the truth. There's an enemy that wants to destroy us, but despite that, we're going to give thanks to you. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice to put a double emphasis on the absolute importance of being a thankful and a grateful people, no matter what circumstance that we're in. Again, they had an enemy that wants to destroy them or wanted to destroy them, the nations round about them. 
Uh, those nations are still intact today and still wanting to destroy Israel to this day, which is part of the end time scenario. I won't expand on that right now because we have many, many times. But we have an enemy of our soul. And listen, the Lord tells us about him. The scriptures talk about him. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy you every single day. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to destroy your walk with the Lord. He wants to destroy your children, your marriage, our fellowship. He wants to destroy the body of Christ. He wants to destroy souls. He wants those that don't know the Lord to stay in that place. And he works nonstop to peddle his, you know what, agenda. And there's sometimes we really feel the weight of it, don't we? There's individuals that are enemies of the cross of Christ. Some that know they are, others that don't know they are. All puppets in his hand. Sometimes we deal with them. And even Jesus talks about us having enemies. He says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And you know what? The enemy wants to intimidate with that. I know a lot of people that profess to know the Lord that don't want to walk with the Lord because they say there's too much warfare when you do that. I've had people tell me that. Listen, I I know I'm a sinner. I need Jesus, but this is just too hard. I want Jesus to save me, but I want to go do my own thing because when I do that, there's no conflict. And I don't want conflict. Listen, when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you got signed up to the Lord's army. You're a soldier, and conflict cometh with the call to follow Jesus. And uh, I'm not saying that I love it at all, but it's just the reality of things. When man sinned in the garden, a spiritual war began. And praise God, Jesus came to give victory. And here's the deal. Listen, in the midst of it, in the midst of all of it, God wants us to be a people to give thanks to him. And it's emphasized here twice over. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks to you. And I just can't tell you enough and can't encourage you enough to be a thankful person. When you have thanksgiving in your heart, it is a game changer. It really is. I got to remind myself of this all the time. This past week, I was having the week before I was having, it was a rough week. And I had a day where just the enemy was dogging me. I mean, he was coming at me from every angle with this, that, and the other. Some just coming against my spirit. Other things that I knew he was just kicking up dirt and so forth. And I'm sitting there praying. And, it, and, and I just remember, you know what? I need to give thanksgiving. And I just begin to give praise to God and thank the Lord for all the blessings. Scriptural blessings. You know, at the promises of the Lord and just the practical blessings and the faithfulness of God. And I'll tell you in about three minutes, four minutes, it might have been five minutes. It, it's just like, it just to give thanks to God, the enemy was just put down and an overwhelming joy and assurance came to my heart just from giving thanks to God. And it wasn't anything I was doing. It was giving thanks for real things that God has done, is doing, and is going to do. Absolutely. And we're instructed this in the scripture. Listen, several verses here that talks about us continually being a thankful people. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. How many knew I was going to go there? Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing. Notice here, in everything, give thanks. In everything. You go through a trial tonight, he says, give thanks. You're being persecuted in some way, give thanks. Listen, you're being blessed tonight. You are, whether you, are, you know it or not, give thanks. And everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Listen, this is part of God's general will for all of us. It's part of his general will. I want to know the will of God. It is his will in part for you to give thanks in everything. And when you walk in his general will, you're one that rejoices always, prays without ceasing, and every give thanks, along with other things he's instructed us to. I say this all the time. Well, the more you walk in his general will, the more you will know specifically God's will for you. A lot of people want specifics, but they don't want the general. Well, we want to know what we should do over here, but we don't want to give thanks, rejoice always, and pray. That's as clear as can be. We don't want his general, but we want all these specifics. Walk in his general will and watch the insight you get into specifics that he has specifically for you and the confirmation he'll bring in that. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. You know any anxious people in the world today? (laughs) Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Notice here, and the peace of God that passes surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus so again it's god's will and when we give thanks and everything listen there's a guarding to our heart i need my my heart guarded i don't know about you again in that warfare the enemy he's shooting heart darts at your heart we need it guarded and again there's a peace of god that passes all understanding when we brave things to the lord with a thanksgiving listen this is truth there tonight this is truth i can't tell you enough you apply this to your life it is a game changer to your life absolutely i've had people over years come and they're like oh, this and that and the other and i go look it i got something for you to do i want you to start writing down all of your blessings scriptural blessings and giving thanks to god and they look at me like that's too easy I thought, you know, you're going to, you know, we're going to get in all this deep philosophy and whatnot. I go, you do this and watch how it will impact your life. And I've seen time and time again when people will take that counsel and it's biblical counsel and they'll begin to do it. A cloud will begin to lift off them, off them and there will be genuine change, a peace that comes upon them when they just say, I'm going to start giving praise to my God and giving thanks to my Lord. This is truth right here. And if you apply this to your life, you will see an abundance, a fresh abundance of the fruits of the Spirit of God and a joy that will come upon you. A hundred percent guarantee. Now, if you don't want to, you won't. And if you do, you will. I've seen it, but more than that, God's word says it and God's word is a hundred percent true. I can give you a bunch more verses, but... I'll just give them to you. There's just two more. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in all you do, give thanks. And then Hebrews 13.15. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And there's verse upon verse upon verse upon verse. Give thanks to God. Listen, that's not a hard thing to do. It really isn't. 
We can give thanks to God right now, again, for the breath in our lungs right now. We all got clothing on our back tonight. There's food out there. There's water out there. We're gathered in a, you know what, a, a nice room here. You're sitting on a comfortable chair there, aren't you? I mean, God's seen us this far. And then more than that, I was a sinner damned to hell, and Jesus Christ laid down his life for me and rose from the grave. And I'm saved by his grace through faith. I have eternal life. He's even building a mansion for a wretch like me. This is insane. So much to give thanks for. Help us, Lord, to practice that. Amen. And then he says, for your wonderful works, declare that your name is near. And, And... We've kind of touched already on so much to give thanks for. He gives a specific here, though. I'm going to give thanks. Listen, we're singing a song, Do Not Destroy. We're singing about deliverance and triumph over the enemy. We're going to give thanks. And we're not doing it in a vain way. We're giving thanks for your wonderful works and all that you've done because it's the declaration that you're near to us, that you're going to go before us. And Thanksgiving does that. It's a recounting even of blessings of God. And listen, as he has been faithful, he will be faithful. When I read that as well, I thought of Romans chapter 1, where it talks there about, you know, through creation and the things seen, we know that there's a creator. And how all mankind... They're without excuse. Talks about the things of God written upon their heart. And then in verse 21, it says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I don't want that to be me. Here's all this evidence around that declares the name of God and the nearness of God and they refuse to give thanks in the rebellion. Not only do they not give thanks, but as a result, their heart's given over to a darkness and a depraved mind where they start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. You know how stupid that is? And I'm not trying to say that in a condescending way, but it's just utter ignorance and hardness of heart. And then God gives them over to a depraved mind where... You know, it talks about even then the men with the men, the women with the women, completely unnatural, destructive, destructive to a body, to a family, to a culture. And it's centered around them not giving thanks, not giving praise. How much more should we, the people of God, give thanks to God every single day? Giving him glory and honor. Verse two, he says, when I chose you, when I chose the proper time I will judge uprightly. And again, it's a song of deliverance set to do not destroy. And this is the Lord speaking here. When I choose the proper time, I will judge uprightly. So again, it's that promise that judgment is coming in God's perfect time. We know how it ends. And it's even the, the, the psalmist encouraging himself in the truth of God. Now, a couple things with this. Number one, you ever yearn for the judgment of God to come? Oh, Lord, come. Oh, Lord, come and bring a judgment to all this. Lord, wind it down tonight. You hear some of the stuff going on, the, the, the child abuse with the transgender stuff. That's child abuse. Just what a wicked, 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 evil lie being put upon our youth. 
and and I, I just I can't believe how uh, delusional some of these 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 individuals are, and and you look at you know I could just go on and on you guys you guys know, uh, and you say oh Lord when are you going to judge? Well, number one with that, let's step back and remember, listen, without the grace of God. Man, you want that judgment now? Let's lift up that grace of God. Now are we like, Lord, when are you going to judge? We're like, oh, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. And then we want to remember in this too that, listen, his judgment's going to come, hear this, in his perfect timing. It won't be too soon. And it won't be too late. He has a set time. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, but that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Now, the Lord never ceased being God on earth, but at the same time, he did not exercise all of his rights as God, if that makes sense. Sometimes that's hard to put that. You want to put that in the right way. Listen, the Lord knows when he's coming back. When he was on earth, he never ceased being God, but he limited himself in, in, in the humanity that he took on as well without limiting himself. And that's a mystery. That's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. But the Lord knows when he is coming. There is a set time, and it's a proper time, and it's going to be a perfect time. And we want to remember that. We also want to remember that listen, the Lord's long-suffering. Because we look around and we're like, how much worse is this going to get? It can get a lot worse. It absolutely can. I remember, I've been doing this for a while. I remember like, even like 10 years ago, can't get worse than this. It's gotten a lot worse. Five years ago, it can't get worse than this. Oh my goodness, it's like doubling and tripling. Like, it's twice as worse as it was last year. And I want to like keep badgering the same theme, but I think the watershed issue of the day is the transgender stuff, the homosexual stuff, abortion. Those are the things when cultures embrace, judgment comes. Judgment comes. And I've talked about this before. I remember three or four years ago. And to me, in my view of things, I saw it, I saw it as like a, a, a turning time. And, and I remember they, they brought Bruce Jenner out. And that's his name. They brought him out at the ESPYs. And ESPN twice in one night? That's weird. The ESPYs, the ESPN Awards. And they gave this character the Woman of the Year Award. And with, the, with girls that, that, that are athletes that participate in sports, I just about fell over. I thought, you just robbed that of a woman. What about our women? You're trampling our women. Our women. Where are the feminists at? Where are they at? This is an utter disgrace. But I remember seeing that a clip of it. I don't watch that nonsense, but seeing a clip of it. And there were several thousand people at this. And here's all of these, you know, men of renown, the athletes of the day, forced, I know many of them were forced, though they did it themselves, to stand up and giving a standing ovation. And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy have mercy this is the guy from the Wheaties box growing up 
The greatest athlete in the world in 1976, we didn't know. A woman won that award. No. That's a man. And when I saw that, I thought, this is, this is just delusional. Is there not one person that can stand up and say, stop, what are you doing here? This is, this is trampling our women, number one. Where are the men protecting the women? And they all went along with it. And then here we are just a few years later. And look what's happening to our children. And then five years ago, how much worse can it get? Well, it's gotten a whole lot worse. But listen, in God's proper time, he's going to judge and he's going to judge uprightly. And listen, in the meantime, listen, as it says there in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So know this, listen, the judgment of God is coming. And, and I think man might be speeding up the judgment coming. And maybe it'll just be a judgment on us first as a nation. But he's going to judge. He's going to judge uprightly. And it's going to be his proper time in the meantime. And, and there are judgments of God going on all around us. But this is talking about the judgment with the big J. You know what? Thank God for grace. And then also know he's not slack. It's going to be the proper time. In the meantime, he's long-suffering. What? Not wanting people to perish. So what's that tell us? We need to be about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Spreading the gospel. Verse 3. The earth and all its inhabitants are dissolved. I set up its pillars firmly. Selah. Or think about this. Now listen. The earth and its inhabitants haven't been dissolved yet. In the sense of the judgment of God. But they will be, and it seems biblically that that's after the millennial rule of Christ, where he brings in a new heaven and a new earth. First Peter chapter 3 brings in a detail. And there's probably, it's, it's probably, most prophecies are multi-layered, where at the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be a change on the earth, and I think there's going to be a dissolving in a minor degree at the end of millennial rule of Christ, a whole new heaven, a new earth, or it's really a remodel of what we have, kind of like how our bodies will be. And just, just 2 Peter 3.10, it says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And the day of the Lord, in my opinion, starts at the beginning of the tribulation to the end of the millennial reign of Christ. I believe it's a thousand and seven years because the day of the Lord scripturally in context is not a 24-hour period of time like you see in creation, but it's a period of time. And at the end of that reign of Christ, a fervent, it sounds like a nuclear meltdown. It's going to be dissolved. And the only way you're getting through that is if you're in Christ Jesus. And it's going to come, and it's going to be upright. No one's going to be saying, oh, God, now we got you. You're the bad guy. It's going to be an upright judgment of here's the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. And it's going to come in his perfect timing. And in the meantime, listen, he set up the earth's pillars firmly. The firm foundation when we walk about. That's something to give thanks for, Right? 
God keeping all this stable despite the nonsense? Though in Isaiah it says in the last days the earth would, would, would wobble back and forth. Have you read the book of Revelation? There's a lot of wobbling on the earth. But in all of it, Selah, which means think, think about this, rejoice in it. We got about 12 minutes. I'm going to pick up the pace a bit. Verse 4. He says, I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. So this is a call for prideful men to humble their hearts. The word horn in the scripture usually has two applications. It can either be a picture of a shofar or praising God with a musical instrument. In this application, a horn would be a picture of of power and for man it's a a picture of pride it goes back to you know what a beast of the field and his horns that's a picture of a of an animal's power uh go read about ahab and josephat when when he called josephat to come help him and josephat should have said no way ahab (laughs) but he joins together with them and josephat when they're the syrians are coming against him he says don't we have a prophet of god around here because before that, he brought in all these false prophets. And one of the false prophets, it says he takes out a horn and begins to like, it's real theatrical. He's, he's making a big scene, the horns. And Ahab will go out with his horns and he's going to destroy the Syrians. And so that's what this is talking about. Men lifting up their horn on high, being boastful. God ain't going to judge me. We're going to judge God. You know anyone who judges God today? A lot of fools, right? Boy, when I talk to God, I'm going to give him what for, you know? Oh, Lord, if you're God, why is all this stuff in the world? Because man sinned in the garden. It's an easy answer. And he says, humble your heart here. This is a call to humble your heart. Don't lift up your horn on high. Don't speak with a stiff neck. To the wicked, don't lift up your horn. To the boastful, do not deal boastfully. For us, what do we have to boast for? What do we have that we have not received? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul said in Galatians 6, 14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where having a thankful heart just helps put that in check. That we all got a little, you know, there, there, there's, there's a, uh, you know what, a, a, an inner boaster in all of us. And giving thanks to God helps put that in check. Giving thanks to God for all that we have and, you know, what all he's doing and all he's going to do. It, it puts perspective on it. This is from God. Our gifts are from God. Amen. Verse 6, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And this is telling us a great truth. Listen, exaltation does not come from men. And we're foolish to live a life wanting the praise of men for a multitude of reasons. Number one, oftentimes you don't get the recognition from men you you think that you deserve. Anyone ever been there before? And secondly, even when you get it, it never will satisfy your soul. It just doesn't. Now, the proverb says, let another one boast about you, not yourself. And I'm not saying that it's bad to be recognized by men. The Bible says, give honor where honor is due. But we got to remember, we're not to live for the exaltation 
from men. It's a foolish place to be. We got to remember verse 7. God's the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. We should be wanting to live for the recognition of the Lord. And again, that starts with getting born again. That starts with recognizing I'm a sinner. He's the Savior. He died for my sins and rose from the grave. And salvation's when I come to him broken. I say, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And then from there, it talks about that grace not only being the agent that saves us, but a divine influence to help us live for the Lord. And the Bible does talk about, you know, at a judgment for the Christian. We want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, right? And even in our daily lives, it said multiple times in the scripture, one of those times in James 4, 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble your heart. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and he'll do what? He'll lift you up. Amen. And maybe tonight you've been caught in that trap of seeking praise from men. Or you've been caught in that place where you've been stiff-necked and boastful and arrogant. You're like, oh, what do I do? Humble yourself on the side of the Lord. God knows we're but dust. God knows that our father and Adam, our father Adam in the garden, he, he, he said, I want to be my own God, part of our sin nature. Part of the rebellion of man, I want to be my own God. We got to put that down every day. Crucify that every day. No, Lord, you be the God of my life. And Lord, if any praise comes my way, let me take that and just put it there at your feet. And give you glory. Give you honor. Cast that crown at your feet. Verse 8. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And the wine is red. It is fully mixed. And he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall be all it's it's dreg shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down that's a gnarly verse right there cup of judgment man go read about the bold judgments in the book of revelation oh my goodness they're in panic over a glorified flu this corona thing and i'm not trying to make light of that i just i think it's fear-mongering for all and and I know this, the people in power love a good crisis because they can sneak in a whole lot of nonsense. They love a good crisis. How do you think Nimrod got all those people on the plain of Shinar? There was a crisis. Oh, the animals are getting us. He's the mighty hunter. Well, come to me. I'll protect you, man. He worked a crisis for a wicked purpose. There ain't nothing new underneath the sun. But listen, there's a cup of judgment that's coming. It's coming upon this world. But listen, there's a way of escape. Jesus drank of that cup for us, didn't he? Remember there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father three times. Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The cup of wrath to us was poured out upon Jesus Christ. He took the wrath to us. The wages of our sin is death. He died for us because he was without sin, though. He resurrected from the grave and defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell. 
And in Christ Jesus, are you in Christ Jesus tonight? Can you say amen to that? You got victory. You got victory in Jesus. And we're going to have victory in Jesus. And what a horrific thought of having that wrath poured out upon you forever and ever and ever. Verse 9, but I will declare forever, I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. So it's Asaph saying, that's them. The cup of wrath is coming upon them. They're boastful, they're stiff-necked, they're wicked. But as for me, I'm going to praise God forever. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give praise to God. I'm going to give thanks and I'm going to give praise to God. And again, this is in the midst of the enemy wanting to destroy him. There ain't nothing new underneath the sun. Listen, when all, all this stuff kicking up in the world going on, be determined all the more to give thanks and praise to the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people. Give him glory. Give it. Watch how you'll shine brightly in your workplace, in the places where you go, when you're a worshiper of God and you give thanks. There's so much grumbling and complaining in the world today. It will open up doors for evangelists and say, man, why are you so joyful? Well, let me tell you about someone named Jesus. And then when PR comes in, you say, they ask, I answered. <laughs> Finally, verse 10, and all the horns of the wicked, I will also cut off. The horns of the wicked, the pride of the wicked. They can wear all that. And boy, there's a lot of that in the world today. It's going to be cut off. But the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. And where's our righteousness found? Lord Jesus Christ. And what a difference. The horns of strength of the wicked cut off. The horns of the strength of the righteous exalted forever and ever and ever. Well, Lord God, we bless you tonight. We give you praise. Oh, Lord, what a glorious psalm. Lord God, what a word of encouragement. I pray, God, that we could take this instruction tonight and we could apply it. We could walk in it. I pray all the more we'd be found a, a, a people who give thanks, who give praise, who lean on your promises. Oh, Lord, let us be found, God, humbling our heart before you, God, and not seeking the praise of man. Of man. And oh, Lord, that old nature, he wants that. Lord, let us not give in to that lie. We thank you. We honor you. We give you glory tonight. And listen, tonight you've heard the good news of Jesus, the gospel of what Christ has done for us and if you don't know him, listen, today's a day of salvation. The Bible makes it very clear. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He stands ready to wash you, to cleanse you, to forgive you. And I can't encourage you enough to call upon his name. Be truthful with him. Don't game play. Come to him with humility and brokenness. Call upon him. He'll meet you where you're at. Lord, bless the rest of our night and our fellowship here. We just thank you that you're so good. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. We sit together. Amen. Amen. God bless.